Hello and welcome to The Widow Podcast. I am your host, Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I am a widow, a mum, a health coach, a life coach and grief coach. I want to help you see that you really can create something truly meaningful after loss. You have everything you need within you and I want to help you find it so you can see how capable and amazing you really are. Helping you find a more positive way through your grief. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Widow Podcast. This week I have the wonderful Kendra Rinaldi. Have I said that right? Have I pronounced it it perfectly? Yes. (laughs) So Kendra is the host of the Grief, Gratitude and the Grey in Between podcast, which I think you call it the Grief, Gratitude podcast for for short, I think, don't you? (laughs) Instagram, on Instagram and, uh, and email, yes, but I do like all the words I know it's kind of long (laughs) but it's good and I love it because it's just it really speaks to how I feel actually um because you know you've got the grief and then you know I have got to a point in my life where there's a lot of gratitude for for the lessons I've learned and the experience I've had but there's a lot of gray in between this it's not quite as simple as going from one to the other so I think it's brilliant and I think you know, as you say in your in your podcast, you like exploring grief that occurs at different times in our lives and the gratitude that can come from growing through it. And, and it's not just about death. And, you know, obviously this is the widow podcast and we talk a lot about death and, you know, losing a, a life partner. But actually, there's a, a lot of changes and, and uh, transitions that shift our life, as as you quite rightly say. And it's not always around death. There's many other losses that we go through in, in life. And also, you know, I have a lot of widows that listen that have had other losses in life and are dealing with other losses through the loss of their spouse. So I just think it's so important to have these conversations and to recognize that grief is often a lot bigger than we we believe it to be, than we give it credit for, and, and acknowledging all the other losses maybe that have happened historically or are going on now. So Kendra, just as, a, as an intro, um, I know you've had your own losses in life, um, but do you want to just sort of tell everyone a little bit about you and, and your story? Karen, first off, thank you so much for having me. By the way, it's often that I interview people, but it's very rare that I get interviewed. <laughs> so I am so grateful to be here. So if I, uh, if I start asking the questions, don't be surprised because that's what I'm more used to doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I'm originally from uh, Colombia from uh, that. So if you guys hear an accent, I do live in the States, but if you hear an accent, it's because I'm from Colombia. So Spanish is my first language. I did grow up with both languages. My dad is from the U.S. So I grew up with both languages, but primarily Spanish. Um, And I um, am the oldest of four siblings. And when I graduated from high school, I came to the U.S. And um, just, yeah, I was, what, 18 or so. So when I talk about, you know, grief and transitions, like even that, the fact of moving, leaving my family behind. I didn't see them for a year and a half before I went back to Colombia. So that move was huge shift. I was, you know, huge shift. I was alone, you know, alone, quote unquote, without my parents and my siblings. And, and that was, uh, that was big. And those parts of also deciding even 
what I was going to study, what I was, uh, those big life choices and decisions were huge. They were huge for me. It took me a while. So uh, I, I, a year, I, I took off a year from not going to school. I was doing some service volunteering and so forth during that time. But, um, but in terms of the losses then in terms of death, um, a few years after that, two years after that, my uh, sister, uh, the one that followed me, who was two years younger than I was, uh, died in a car accident. Um, and that was uh, big. I was, uh, had just turned 21 and she was, yeah, she was short of being 19. So she was 18 when she died. Um, that, that big change and death in our life was big for many reasons. And I experienced those shifts and those transitions also by the secondary losses that occur. So talking regarding what you were talking about, you know, even the widows that listen to this podcast, some of these other grief experiences that they have, it's not only because you as a widow are now without your spouse, but you're also now without your partner without the person that you normally go to the grocery store without you. So it's like, Oh, who do I go now with to a restaurant with? Like, you, who do I, you know, who, who do I fight with that? Like, who do I fight with? Who do I laugh with? So for me, the death of my sister was one of those. I'm like, she, uh, the other two siblings were much younger. So for me to lose the person that was my confidant and also the one I would fight with, <laughs> was big. And I noticed this shift starting to occur in the dynamics between myself and my parents. And that's when like, and here I was like 21 and I started notice, noticing at that age, those shifts. And what I realized is that my mom used to be the one I used to fight with. And my dad was the, my, my dad was my like friend, you know, my, you know, like I got along with him. But when my sister died, that shifted, that turned around. And I believe when I came to like just analyzing that was because I did now need a confidant. And my dad couldn't be that per se, you know, it for me as a male, I needed that female kind of thing. So my mom became that. And then my dad became the one that if I had an argument or fight, that's who I would fight. So it was really interesting how just that uh, shifted. So that was my... Uh, first major loss was at the age of 21. And I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's funny? There we go. No, you, you know, I wanted you to, to talk about your, your losses that you'd experience in life um, that, that brought you to this point. And, you, you know, like your, your sister dying, I'm so sorry for starters. What was your sister's name? Zarana. Z-A-R-A. Z, yeah, uh -huh, yeah. Z, you guys say Z? Z, Z, Z. Yeah, Z. Okay. So yeah, uh, Z, Z O R A N, Zorana. Oh, it means her. dawn. It means dawn. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm so sorry. And, and to lose your sister, it, it just must be horrific. And it's such a huge loss. And I do think, actually, you know, through my work, that sibling loss really isn't given the attention that it needs and surviving siblings are often not forgotten but maybe not given the support they need because it tends to people go to the parents mm -hmm. um and 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 the si yeah, other siblings can often be slightly overlooked maybe mm -hmm. and 
you, you know, sibling loss has, is huge. It has a profound effect on, on you and your life. And like you say, that how everything in your life shifts as a result of that and trying to adjust and, and find your place in, in the relationships with your parents and your other siblings, but also trying to process your loss because how do you do that when the people that you would go to, your parents, or your you know your sister ordinarily, but she's not there, and then your parents, but they've got you know their huge grief, and and I know children very much hold on to their own grief, don't they? And well, not that you were a child at all, but you know you were the the, the daughter, not wanting to add anything to your, your parents' mm-hmm. suffering. Um, and and what what do you, what did you, how did you cope with it, Kendra? What what did you lean on? Uh, that is a, a good question and good assessment of what you were talking about the aspect of the siblings of not given kind of that priority. And you know something that came to mind with that, and I'll answer the. I hope to remember what the question was because that's normally what happens to me. Uh, <laughs> is that um, it's how also the siblings feel, uh, the children, the living children when a parent has lost another one is also this aspect of like, what about me? Where am I in terms of when the parent says like, you know, they were my everything or they were like the, you know, so, and then the kids are here left the ones that are living or like, there's not, or the parent starts in their grief saying things like they, there's no purpose of living or not that that was, but there was a little bit of that, you know, in some cases of kind of feeling like, I'm still here too, you know, and that's something to acknowledge too for these uh, children that are living. And that also too goes to even the widows listening with then their children that are also left. If they're widows with kids, you know, that don't forget that the children are also, mm. you know, suffering and they've lost a parent too, and mm. they don't want to lose you too in mm. the process, right? They've yeah. already lost one. They don't want to lose the other. Um, so as, as I was at, uh, I was, uh, yeah, 21. I was in the States by myself. My parents were still in Colombia. So actually when my sister died, she had just graduated from high school and had come to the States, but we were not in the same place. So I was living in California. I was going to college at that point. And my sister was in Seattle and she was doing one year break kind of uh, as well uh, as I had done when I graduated with a dance group. So she died while she was in the Seattle, Washington um, area here in the U.S. And so when, um, when she died, I was the first one to even arrive at the, at at the, at the place where she had died because my parents were in Colombia by the time they got. So all all that, I remember just even feeling this overwhelm. I'm like, I have no clue how to plan a funeral, even that feeling of that responsibility, because I was the family member that was here. I was like, how is I going to show up? Fortunately, we had lots of support in the community where she was in, in Seattle. So I didn't have to do all that part, but being the first one of a family to show up in a space uh, in which everyone kind of feels like, so, you know, we're so sorry that her host family, all, you know, the, the people she was with uh, just felt like they didn't have any words to say. And as I look back or even just like kind of, I I see these memories as this eagle eye view of this child, of this child. I, you know, I have a seat when I'm 46 years old now, so I could say I was a child. And um, honestly, I, I, I think that child navigated with a lot of grace. I'm, I'm not gonna lie that how, I don't know where the strength came for the me then to navigate that situation, but it was, there was a lot of grace in that process. 
Now, in terms uh, in terms of being like this present or being the strong one, quote unquote, as people kind of you kind of feel like you have to put on this mask. But I don't know if I was feeling like I had to or if it just came naturally to do that. Now, in terms of coping with grief after that, with that, um, I think that one of the things that helped me the most was talking about it, talking to friends, talking to my family. The other way that I also uh, kind of pulled up my grief was through writing. I would write poems and um, sometimes it'd be like, there was one time I was driving uh, home and I just start, I see the sunset and I just start talking to the sunset like saying that I had seen in the sunset, I had, it was in Spanish, you know, that I had seen, you know, had seen your face looking back at me kind of thing. And then in the poem, there was this response of then her voice within it. I'm talking, I was talking it, but there was a response in that dynamic of that poem. So when I got home, I wrote it down and it was basically this conversation I had had with my sister pretty much on my car ride home. That's how it, that's how it felt, but within myself. So those kind of things were the ways that I was expressing. And then journaling, I would write in my diary, quote unquote, instead of dear diary, I would just write letters since we had lived apart because I had lived in the States and she had lived in Colombia and then we were not in the same uh, place here. We would write often, you know, letters. And so that's what I would do was just like, hey, Zorana, you know, so today I did that, that. You know, that just writing to her in my diary as if I was writing letters to her. And that helped a lot. And mm-hmm. I want to say the other aspects were just the spiritual connection or the beliefs I had about death itself that were my rock. Um, I didn't believe, I don't believe death is the end. So therefore, it, that relationship continued regardless mm-hmm. of her not being here. Uh, physically. So that, that helped me. I love that. I think it's so important, isn't it, that we find a way of continuing those bonds with our person, because as much as they're not here in the physical sense, our love for them is still there. That doesn't die. That continues. And I think by you writing those letters and those poems and having those conversations, that's you connecting with your sister, isn't it? And, And continuing those bonds and feeling like she's still a part of your life. And, and I also truly believe that, you know, it's important that we find our own belief systems as in what brings us comfort when somebody dies. And that might be very different to what you believed before. Yes. Um, I, I'd never hugely thought of it. I, I did. I was a nurse before Simon died and I, I did always believe that we had a soul and I always wanted to make sure that like a window was open when somebody died and so that their soul could mm. could you know go on to wherever it was going to so I I guess it was always there within me but you you know I just had to believe and I still believe like you you know that one day Simon and I will meet again and we will have a conversation and and I think what drives me is that when I meet him again I have got so many wonderful things to share with him and to tell him to kind of go we did this and we did that and you taught us this and you get do you see you you know and I Mm -hmm. think some people don't believe that, but you've got to find something, haven't you? I think that brings you an element of comfort to take I, forward with you. 
That I agree completely. And I'm sure you've probably seen this even interviewing so many people on your podcast is that it, yes, the, the comfort or what brings us some kind of solace, solace. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced in, mm. uh, to your soul um, is different for everyone. But I do believe that those of us that have something to kind of anchor or hold on to something. And again, it doesn't mean you have to believe after life. It doesn't mean you have to believe in God. It doesn't mean you have, mean you have to believe in a soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be complete. It could be that you find comfort in the fact that their, their uh, body is now nourishing the soil. I, because I did have somebody that was atheist, actually, that was in continuing the cycle of life, yeah. that, that, that was comforting for that person. Yeah. So I'm okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But there's something, something, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, or comfort in the memories, comfort in the fact that you had, I don't, it's something. <laughs> yeah, there has to be something. I think it's, it's kind of, and we do ask a lot of questions, don't we, in terms of, well, what happens? Where have they gone? Yes. You, you know, trying to process Grasp. the fact mm. that someone's here and then they're not. How does that work? Where have they gone? You can't just exist and not exist. I think that's too right. much for our brains to, to understand. So it's almost not kind of looking for the truth because I don't think anybody knows 100%. It's looking for something that just sits right, isn't it? And and like you say, maybe they've been buried and they've gone back to the ground and, 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 you know, that's the the cycle of life. And then maybe that's it. And maybe that. And maybe everything that we all have hold, held on to, maybe we were wrong. But you know what? It got us through the day. So exactly. let us be. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's, it's sometimes we just challenge our thinking too much. I think it's good to challenge your thinking. But sometimes it's like, do you know what? You might be wrong. But it's okay. Just kind of go, I might be wrong. But actually, I'm never going to know. So I'm just going to go with this. Yeah, this what works. <laughs> Bless you. So obviously uh, that your sister and and you you've you've brought her forward with you and and obviously this has kind of led you to where you are now. But have there been other losses since your sister? Obviously you were twenty one, like you say you're forty six now. There's you know what's happened in in that time that's led you to this point of wanting to to do what you're doing now. Yes. So um, after that, then marriage. Uh, the other losses that were not death, I won't go over in this particular right now in this listing of it. Uh, there had been friendships even prior to my sister passing. I had friends uh, the year prior to my sister dying. I had friends that had died in an airplane accident. Um, so there had been other losses mm-hmm. throughout grandparents, you know, uh, as well. And, um, and a lot of other family members a lot. Um, so, but in terms of my immediate family, uh, 10 years after my sister died, my first pregnancy was a miscarriage. And that mm-hmm. was that was a major loss for my husband and I, and I used to work with children at that time too. So going back and being with kids and, you know, and the people asking the question, you know, what were, you know, what, yeah. how, how, how far along are you, how are you feeling? And I'm like, no, I lost the baby because I had already told everybody, you know, those, those kind of things. That was a, the next one. And then from there, 10 years after uh, my mom died of pancreatic cancer. So it's been five, five years since my mom um, died and 25 years since my sister died. So, um, that was a very different loss experience than going through a sudden death, like my sister's, you know, car accident that we weren't expecting it with, um, with a diagnosis like pancreatic cancer, one, 
the diagnosis itself was already one of those that didn't bring too much hope for what was going to be. So the grieving started pretty much a moment of the diagnosis. Um, and then, you know, she died nine months after that. So it was a, you know, little, little, little by little. And that whole thing of not being able to put my phone on mute, even when I would sleep, not knowing when you're going to get that call. Um, we didn't also live in, they were, she was already, they, my parents were already living in the States, but we didn't live in the same place. So we, my mm. sister, my brother and I, we'd rotate flying into where they lived to uh, help through her treatment and so forth too. But yeah, so that was the other major, more recent loss. And mm. from there, that, that experience was, I believe, more of that boom, like a channeling of the, all these things have happened. And now what, like, what do I do with all these um, life experiences? And people, people were already reaching out to me when they would go through something or when they had somebody near them go through something, like not knowing what to say, like, what do I tell them or what do I, and so that's kind of how the journey of grief coaching and then facilitating, I became a grief facilitator in a nonprofit organization and um, as a way of giving back to others that had gone through something like I had and, or similar in some way. And then the podcast was birthed two years ago uh yeah so that is basically mm. what's led me where where I am now <laughs> that's huge isn't it that is huge and 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 with your your grief coaching I mean who who do you kind of work with do you find because of your experience you you kind of attract people that have had similar losses to you or do or is it kind of all losses that people come to you for yeah I probably people that have had similar, more similar losses are gravitating more. Of course, I understand parent loss and sibling loss mm -hmm. as a, somebody that's lived it. But as I always say, I can't say, I know what you're going through. No, I do not know what you're going through. I can relate to what you're going through, but I am not you. <laughs> so therefore I do not have the lore that you have the upbringing, the belief systems, your perspective of the world. So therefore how I am grieving is going to be different than yours. But I feel that in a grief journey, what someone needs most is to be heard mm -hmm. and that their feelings and emotions are validated. So regardless of what it is they're going through, even if I have not had that same type of loss, mm -hmm. it's the fact that they feel seen and heard mm -hmm. that is the most important to them it's so true isn't it because you know people don't know how to respond to those grieving it, it makes everyone deeply uncomfortable you, mm. you know and and grievers ourselves we often we don't know what we should be doing so we're, we're lost and we're often trying to fight all the the uncomfortable emotions that are coming up for us and in doing that sometimes we push people away and then they don't know how to respond and should they help or should they not try to help should they help us see the positive like what do you say to someone and it's that isn't it and sometimes just to be able to hold space for somebody whilst they speak their truth um without somebody trying to to fix them or, or mm. bright side them <laughs> um which is natural i get it you, you know but it's such an important part of our, our grieving journey with you know having lost your your sister at 
21 and then your your mum five years ago was there anything that you learned through grieving for your sister and obviously your, your miscarriage and your other family members and friends um you know it all teaches us something did any of that help with with your, your grief for your mum um I'm you know I know grief always brings up old wounds so I'm sure it kind of triggered a lot of the old losses especially for your for your sister as well um but how did you you find that the grief in terms of managing it and and nurturing yourself through that when when your mum died and you were maybe more aware of what grief was and 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 how to be with it mm. Okay, so one of the things was to be able to allow those emotions to come as they would come. Um, when I was younger, when my sister died, I didn't necessarily know that when I started crying in the middle of a grocery store, or like I remember standing in line at a Starbucks line or something like there was a coffee line and just started crying. And so I remember telling my aunt who did live near where I did, I'm like, I think I have depression or something, you know, like, and, and so she's like, oh, take St. John's wort. It's like a natural herb and it will help you. So I was like, take that. But I honestly did not know then that those kind of spurs of, because it was not that I was thinking of her necessarily in that moment. It was all of a sudden my body just releasing and just started to cry, you know? So that is one thing I learned later on is that these kind of all of a sudden kind of spurs of emotion that would come and I didn't know I have a name for were just expressions of my grief that were there or even other things, even me screaming at somebody or, as you know, like getting angry or that those were also mm. expressions of my grief. Mm. The other way I expressed my grief a lot was through humor and, you know, kind of, you know, joking, you know, jokes and things like that mm -hmm. as well. So um, that is something that I learned that the grief, the way I express grief was different at different times within my life and within each of these losses, it would express differently. So um, when my mom died, I really did allow the mm -hmm. emotions to just come as they were and not necessarily just like we were talking about death, not necessarily trying to make sense of them either of like, but why right now it's not an anniversary. Is it? Oh, wait, is something coming up? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> right. We try yeah. to label everything. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What do you think about that, Karen? Like, what is it for you that, yeah. that you feel regarding so that. true and, and and you know a lot with my clients that you you kind of get the messages don't you in the groups like I'm having a really bad couple of days and I don't know why and, and then we start to judge and criticize ourselves like oh god I'm being weak I'm getting it wrong mm -hmm. like and and it is kind of don't try and make too much sense of it just think about what do you need in that moment to help you through it? You, you know, because this is grief. It's, it's a roller coaster ride. You know, you're, you're up one minute, you're down the next. And, and, yeah. and sometimes the triggers are obvious. Sometimes there's something coming up, a song comes on, a smell, somebody says something and you're like, wow, that's got yeah. me. <laughs> Other times, like you say, you can be in the grocery store and all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, <laughs> I need to get out of here now. Yes, um, anxiety, panic attacks, yeah, all these kind of things. All yeah. of it. And they can come out of nowhere and we can spend a lot of time and energy analyzing that. 
And actually our energy would be better spent just leaning into it and, and trying to listen to what our body is, is telling us, because I just think all these things are kind of guiding us to something that we need. And it might be rest, it might be sleep, it might be good food, it might be connection, it might be to have a good cry. You know, there's so many things, isn't there, that we can do, but exactly to your point, allowing it to be what it needs to be yeah. without labeling it or finding out why you're, you're doing that. Um, yes. because it's it's just it's so complex isn't it it is and and have you noticed if by experience this is something that I for myself was true and I don't, I'm wondering if it was for you that after experiencing something like grief all the other emotions just magnify as well mm, yes. do you feel like you like yeah see it's as if you this like different lengths, but some of what like light does seem brighter or, you know, or laughter, laughter is yeah. more, uh, well, you know, ju- yeah. yeah, it's, it's like all, vibrant, all your, more vibrant. Yes. All your senses are almost heightened, aren't yes. you? You're kind of on yes. this high alert and everything feels exaggerated. Yes. Um, and I remember like my highs being high, like I would feel invincible. I was like on top of the world, high, you know, like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm doing so good. And I've achieved this and I've done that and I've got this and I'm going to conquer the world. And then literally the, the next hour, wow. I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm exhausted. It's so hard. I feel so awful. <laughs> And it's like, whoa, I just remember saying to somebody once, I just just want a bit more of that as opposed to kind of this up and <laughs> exhausting. Um, but yeah, you're all over the place. You're absolutely. And what we tend to do is when we're down and we're, we're in the, the valleys of, of our grief, it's like grief. that judgment, that criticism, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling like this? Trying to figure out what's what's going on. And then when we're on the high, you, you know, we're at the, at the peak and we're feeling good. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't be feeling good. Oh, my God, stop. You shouldn't be doing this. Somebody's died. Get back down. Get back down. Right. You, you know, yeah. and it's like we never lean into just what is. There's just all this internal stuff going on that adds but to the suffering. Do you believe that it probably is also just based on the fact that society expects us to be OK? And it's yeah. kind of like, OK, you you like somebody that has a job like you how many days do you ask for a job day off? And even if they give you a week off after your loved one has died, you know, you're your person, then what, what if this big wave of grief comes two years later? Like, are you going to say, excuse me, I need to take some time off. I just, I'm having a, a grief wave that does not allow me to get out of bed today. Yeah. You know, how, it, you know, it's like, because it's not, un, it's not understood um it's not understood and therefore I think that that's what makes us feel like we have to get it together 100% yeah you know and and there's this expectation that we place on ourselves to be strong and get on with it and can't show weakness there's the expectation that we feel from others that you know it's been a couple of months or or whatever it is that people deem that timeline to be appropriate for how long you grieve for and (laughs) Well, how long did you love that person? (laughs) Then that's the thing. It's like, what, is there a timeline also for love? Yeah. Then why should there be a timeline for grief either? Absolutely. Right. Like it may be the way in which it's like, you know, extremely, you know, I don't, I don't know, but it's definitely like, why would there be? Yeah. I I don't know. It just doesn't. We, We can't, we can't, what we can't cope with, I think as human beings is uncertainty. 
we're, we're rubbish at it. We need to know when things end, how to do things. We want step-by-step processes. Mm-hmm. When do I get to the end of it? When am I going to feel? And, this, and we're, we're like this as the griever. Checklist. We, yeah, checklist. Give me a checklist. Let's tick off all these things I've got to do. Let's get to the end of it. Let's get to the next point. You know, and we're all doing it all the time. And it's like, do you know what? That's not what life's about. We need to be more fluid. We're so rigid in everything mm-hmm. that we do. And we expect so much of ourselves. And it's just kind of going, do you know what? Let's slow down. Let's figure this out. Let's not expect myself to have all the answers right here and now, but know that on the other side of uncertainty, I will be okay because I will figure this out. Yes. Okay. And then you asked before, like, what also is something that I learned from going every age one is that and I'm like, wait, I actually, I've gone through something hard before and I came out out of it. So I will come out of this as well. Like, and it, again, it doesn't mean we ever get over that. The, the mm-hmm. over, no, that's not it. it that's not it. But I, that I will get up in the morning tomorrow and put one step forward that I will brush my teeth at one point or again, or brush my hair, or that I will decide to put makeup on again and feel like myself somewhat, you know, yeah. that, that it, that will happen. That is what I think going through more than one grief experience in our lives teaches us is that we will somehow or another (laughs) make it through. (laughs) And I think that's it. And I think, you know, I have spoken to clients that have been through multiple losses that that is for them, that understanding of, okay, this is going to be hard. This isn't Mm -hmm. fun. This is going to really hurt, but I know that it's not going to be like this forever. This isn't a permanent state that I'm going to live in. Whereas when I think you have your first loss, your first, you know, big significant loss in life, there's that fear of I'm never going to be okay again. My life is never going to feel good again. And that's a genuine fear because you can't mm-hmm. see how, you know, how when your sister You're in the thick has of died it. at a young age, your, your husband has died, you're, you, you know, you've lost a parent. How is your life going to look without that person in it, that they were your person? Um, but you do, it does become a part of you. It doesn't have to define you in a negative way, but it shapes who you become. Absolutely. And, and you carry that experience forward with you, but you grow, you grow around it and you become stronger, more resilient, more capable. I think your confidence grows, but I think to get to that point, you have to do the work on yourself. It's, it's not something that time alone can do Mm -hmm. for you um and I think there's often a misconception that if you just allow the time to pass and get through it in the best way that you can you'll come out of it the other way but it doesn't and I have clients that come to me five six seven years in and and go I haven't dealt with it and it's holding me back and I now I need to um because we have to work we have to it is work you know and it's hard it is it is it isn't you're right it's not like just snapping the fingers and Mm. Oh, 10 years later, you're fine. No, what did you do with those 10 years? And then the same thing goes for someone that may be there. That's why we can't, when we say we can't know what somebody's going through, it's because we don't know what kind of work they've done with their grief in that year of their grieving. We don't know what grief they had experienced prior to that either. Yeah. Right. As well, that maybe has led them to be dealing with this particular grief differently than you have. So do not compare your grief to another fellow, another fellow widow, as if, if you're listening to this if, as a widow, 
don't compare like, wait, how come she's already, how come Karen has a podcast already? And, you know, and her Simon died, how come she did that? I could barely get myself out of bed. No, that is not, that is, that is not what you do because it won't, it won't help you. If anything, use it as inspiration of knowing there is some hope that someone else was able to get up and do just use it as hope, not as something that holds you down. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think we're terrible at that, that comparison. And, and if we compare, it only leads us really to judge and criticize ourselves or to judge and criticize someone else. Mm -hmm. Either way, you're going to feel pretty rubbish about how you're feeling. And, and, and it's, it's just kind of going, people go through their own stuff in their own way. We all do this differently. We're all unique and that's what makes us wonderful. And, you know, as as Peter Crone says, you you know, we are all extraordinary. We can all look at other people and compare ourselves and find inadequacies. Of course we can, but why, why do that? You know, why not celebrate your own worth and go, do you know what, wherever I am in my journey, I have got to this point. Yes. And if I need a bit yes. of help at this point, then I'm going to ask for it. And I'm then going to figure out the next step. And it doesn't matter if you're five months, five years, 10 years in, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you know, you will do things in your own time at your own pace when you're ready to do it. And I think we all need to, to remember that with, without the, the comparison, but Absolutely. do you know, Kendra, I just, it's been, I could talk to you for so much. Longer. Well, I actually have a question. I know that we were like, I know that we were going to wrap up because I have another podcast to record, but I, I wanted to ask you as somebody that experienced people coming to you, uh, when, when Simon died, like what were some of the things people would say to you that were comforting? And what were some of the things that people would say to you that weren't And my, this is the other question. And do you find yourself that even though you've gone through those kind of the knowing what felt good and what didn't, I asked this because I did myself, have you put your foot in your mouth and maybe said the wrong thing as well to someone because we're so programmed to kind of just say it. (laughs) Do you know what? This is something that I really love talking about because I think, I think the way we handle how other people approach us in grief. I think I feel like we've got it all wrong. I think saying to people, don't say this, don't do that, say this, do that, just makes people more terrified. More nervous. And then they don't come to you. Then they don't come. Then they're ignoring you in the street because they're like, oh God, I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I know for a fact, you, you know, I have lost my husband. I have been through really significant, horrible grief. I am a a, a grief coach. I specialize in grief. I talk about it all the time. One of my very dearest, bestest friends lost her mum New Year's Eve, not this year, the year before. Mm. And I didn't know what the hell to say to her. She shut up shop. She put up her barriers. I think there was an element where she thought I was going to try and tell her how to grieve. Mm. And I was, I found myself saying the most stupid things. And I'd be like, Oh God, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to say that. And then you get frustrated and then you start to dig a hole and you're like, what am I doing? And I would just say, look, I I know I've put my foot in it. I'm really sorry. I'm I'm not trying to be insensitive or clumsy. I just, I I don't know how to to help. So I, I completely empathize and sympathize with people trying to support those for me when people said to me you're strong you're doing a I found that really comforting and I was like am I is that you know am I doing all right is that okay 
I know other people when somebody says to them, oh, you're so strong, you're doing so well. They're like, well, what choice have I got? And they want to punch somebody in the face. And, and like, I kind of get you, you know, like there's just no right or wrong way, is there? And, oh, and other people I love what you're saying. come and, and, and uh, complain about their husbands to me and mine was dead. And, you know, I'd, I'd kind of think, oh, how can you do that? How can you do that? My husband's a bit, you know, it's just, I think we have to, learn to understand that if somebody is coming to us in whilst we're grieving if they're they're brave enough to step up to the mark knowing that they feel deeply uncomfortable and they don't know what to say it's embracing it and and letting people know what feels right and what doesn't and not in a horrible way but just if they say something that doesn't work you kind of go oh that 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 makes me feel a bit rubbish can can we Mm, can we do this a different way and there has to there has to be an, another way to help people to help us because what we're doing isn't working and I think we're actually making the situation worse. Yeah, and you know what you said about the fact that you're not even knowing like what what you received saying like the strong and so forth that somebody else could completely take it differently. It goes back to even just the fact of of the part of even what our beliefs are around death. If somebody comes to someone that is doesn't believe in afterlife and they're like they're in a better place or like are they are they (laughs) for that person those kind of comments don't mean but for somebody else that may be okay so you're right it it just does not look the same how we um what we say or what we do around another griever and what i have found to be the most helpful is just to just show up and just be just be Mm -hmm. there and and maybe say listen i honestly have no clue. Like you said to your friend, I have no clue what to say or do mm-hmm. at this moment. Funny enough, even though I've experienced similar, yeah. you know, something, I still do not know what's the yeah. best way yeah. to bring you comfort. I don't. And so therefore I'm just, I'm here. Just know I'm here. Yeah. Um, and, and just keep showing up, you, show you know, up. even if mm-hmm. you know, you've annoyed someone and you've said the wrong thing and they're frustrated, just keep showing up. Yes. You know, um, you may get the cold shoulder, you may get snapped at, you, you know, but like what, when people are in pain, when emotions are high, intellect is low, we react, we don't respond. Mm. And that doesn't make it okay. But it's kind of just giving somebody some grace and going, do you know what, you're having a bad time. And I love you. And I'm, I'm just gonna do my best. And, and hopefully, you know, it, it will, it will come good. And it does. It does. Yeah. And then us as grievers, knowing that when somebody comes to us, when we're grieving and says the wrong thing, just at least to know that they were brave enough to at least open their freaking mouth to even say something, even though they were, they are so nervous and they have no clue how to support you yet. They try to show up and yes, maybe they said the wrong thing but just to give them some grace as well, yeah. even, you know. And, and I think we have to manage our expectations of, of what we what we expect from other people, you, you know, and, and kind of go, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing any more than we know what we're doing. And <laughs> right. let's try and figure it out together rather than fight each mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. along the way. Um, but I'm like, you know, like I said, I could talk to you for hours and I'm really conscious <laughs> of your time, Kendra, because I know you're a busy lady and you've got your own podcast. So just just let my my listeners know how how can they find you? your podcast, your social media, where are you at? Oh, well, thank you. Yes. And I do have uh, widows that have been on the podcast as well. So you, if that is something that most of you want to listen to, then you can 
head over there as well. If not, again, we do address other types of grief as well on the podcast. As you were mentioning at the opening of the show, it's Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, um, or on the web or on my website or SoundCloud as well for now. And to find me on social media, it's Grief Gratitude Podcast uh, in uh, Instagram as well as in Facebook. And I don't post too often. I should probably post. I, I guess I shouldn't shit on myself, but no, uh, no shit on myself. But I it. Um, but I do share when I'm you know when I've released a podcast. I po- I usually post a podcast once a week. And there are some in Spanish too. So if anybody listening to this podcast primarily even listen, you know, is a Spanish speaker, I do interview people in Spanish as well on my podcast. So you might hear a few interviews in Spanish. I love that. And you've just, I think I saw you just done your hundredth, or even 101, I think, isn't it? But you've like, yeah, that's such an amazing achievement. How long have you been doing? How long? Oh God, I think um, I'm I'm around 30 episodes now. No, but when did you start? So September, I do believe last year. So yeah. It's it's, it's amazing because it's like, we all see that there's a need for it. I've seen a lot of us come up in an Instagram so many accounts about grief and mm-hmm. I think this is wonderful because it's like we it's as if we all got the download that this was something that was needed and yeah. we're putting it out there and uh yeah. it's just wonderful I think I think COVID has definitely kind of spurred us on a bit in terms of our you know our, mm-hmm. our kind of just lack of knowledge and understanding in in the world of grief and I think a lot of us are going do you know what enough let's let's mm-hmm. kind of let's bring talk about it let's yeah. talk about it let's, let's normalize it. it yeah no, no more taboo about it because the more taboo there is about it then <sighs> you know then we have situations in which people just feel that they're yeah. not understood or are de- depressed quote unquote with it's really yeah. just grief that has not been yeah, tapped you just, into you just feel so lonely and isolated on your mm-hmm. journey and, and and that in itself causes huge mental health problems and it's like yes. you just want people to know they're not alone there's there's yes, you know absolutely. we're out here and, and we want to help people and support and, people and there are so many resources out there and for anyone listening that you know there's of course the podcast there's blogs and there are you know free services too that are offered like the one i was you know volunteered with is here in the state of texas but there are organizations like that mm. around, you know, the world. If you're listening and you're in the U.S., you can go to childrengrieve.com. Children, now I forgot if it's .com or .org, .org, I believe. And like, then you can like look to see what kind of organizations are there to even support your children or yourself too. And yeah. Your journey. So yeah. there's, there's things out there. There is things out there. It's, it's kind of just going in and looking for them, isn't it? And, and mm-hmm. making people aware that they're there, but it's been so wonderful talking to you, Kendra. Thank, thank you for you. your time. I know oh, you're really you, busy and, and it's been fab. And I, and I hope, you know, my listeners come and check out your podcast. Cause I, I know you want to offer hope and, and, and support, you know, to people when they're in a dark place, which is what we need more of. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. And thank you I look as well. To speaking to you again soon. Yes. Thank you again, Karen. Thank you so much for listening today on The Widow Podcast. If you would like to find out more about how I can help you, please visit my website, www.karensutton.co.uk. 
I would love to help you find your way forward to a brighter future. So get in touch, let's have a conversation and let's help you take back control and find a more positive way through your grief. I look forward to hearing from you.